Welcome back to another Macum in the Middle podcast after another Sunday game, which was played last night at the Stadium Light with a 2-1 win over, at the time, fifth-placed Plymouth as we were in fourth. We're now up to third, and I think Plymouth are possibly sixth, maybe fifth. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the table. But Dylan and Michael are going to talk about the game and a few other things, as we always end up doing with these podcasts about League One games. Um, first thing, Michael. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, there's one talking point we'll we'll get to, which I'm sure we'll all be in the same kind of wavelength for, and I'm sure you probably know where that's going to go, but we'll mm-hmm. get there eventually. Um, but three points again, Michael. Good start of the game. Um, kind of tailored off a little bit towards the end, and it was easily the most nervous twenty minutes of the game um, from the seventieth onwards, I think, of the season. But ultimately, got the three points. Decent performance, um, which we'll get into a little bit more. Good day, really. Exactly. A good night, I should say. Yeah, this was certainly one of the questions I think people, some people had after the Morecambe game, where it's all one, it's all well and good beating Morecambe, who are down near the bottom. But can you follow that up with a victory against a side that's near the top? Now, I still think Plymouth, as much as you deserve, they deserve respect, have overachieved this season. And even some of the Plymouth mm. fans talking to after the game was saying that. But you know, at the end of the day. Doesn't they're not going to care what I think? They, you know, they were in the playoffs in League One. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we for me that was still a game. I think that at home we needed to be winning, and overall, I think the performance certainly in the fir- in the first half and certainly the first 15, 20, 25 minutes, we were just relentless. And it wasn't just the fact we scored two goals. One of which was a very well, both of which were well worked goals. Um, what the first one were well well rehearsed training ground exercise by the looks of it, and then the second one was a real bit of class from Diaku and a really good finish from Broadhead. But apart yeah. from that, we had chances. I'm not even joking, guys. We we literally had chances to be three four nil up by half an hour, didn't we? Um, Probably earlier, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, even then. So that's that's the point. I've, I've, I've kept every time I watched Pl- after yesterday watching Plymouth, I thought we kept carving them open repeatedly, and it was just all about the high press being back. It was returning, which makes me wonder where it was during that bad run. But pressing teams and making them brick themselves and making them really nervous was what we should be, especially at home in this league, is what we should be doing. Yeah. Um, second half, as you said, we did have spells where Plymouth came at us, but I think for the most part, apart from the couple of corners which surrounded their goal in those in that couple of minute spell, in general, I thought we were quite comfortable defensively. And it was mm. just the fact that we kept winning the second balls in the second half. We kept making, we just kept, for the most part, kept things simple. And Plymouth, at the end of the day, couldn't live with us. Even in the second half, we had a chance with um, Aidan O'Brien when their keeper misjudged the ball. And O'Brien was very unlucky not to score. And then we had mm. that incident where the ball was agonisingly slowly rolling towards the line and it got cleared in the end. Yeah. But that, but even that, even so, the scoreline, I thought, personally flattered Plymouth. Um, I think we should have won by more goals. And the fact that we've followed, that, followed the Oxford game with two wins at home. I did say before Oxford, seven points out of these three. Um, even though we want nine, nine, nine for me wasn't as entirely realistic as we'd hoped for. Yeah. Seven points, you can't complain at that for me. It's a bit yeah. of a return. And people, rightfully so, Dylan, have criticised the atmosphere in the last few weeks and possibly months as well. Um, against Morecambe, there's no way of other putting it. It was shocking, the atmosphere for a team that were four or five nil up at times in the game. But the early goal, the, the good start we had to the game, certainly improved the atmosphere throughout the rest of the game and possibly is one of the reasons that we have come away with three points as opposed to one. Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, uh, everyone was was getting behind yesterday. I mean, I must say, it didn't look to be 
me with as many people there as I'm used to. Obviously, I haven't been to a home game in about three months since uh, since moving and coming back. It looked pretty, looked empty compared to yeah. the last game I went to. But for those that were there, obviously, we were singing for most of the game. Uh, it wasn't as many just at your mag chants, which I'm sick of hearing from the South yeah. Stand. <laughs> That, that was nice, and uh, it was like even even the people sat around me were, were getting getting, getting vocal at times, which is which is very rare. Anyway, normally anywhere not sat in the south stand, yeah, you sign up for the entire game. But very good. I think obviously it helped, uh, especially when the game was getting a bit uh, a bit scrappy towards the end. Sort of reminded to get get the players focused, reminding that we not don't need to uh, lose the heads. And I think uh, we uh, really spurred them on to to defend, especially after we conceded because it was it was a bit. Uh, Bit rough for that last twenty minutes. I was breaking it, but thankfully they managed to keep them keep the composure. It's, it's Sunderland without making you brick yourself, is it? Oh no, exactly. You're spot on. Yeah, and obviously, Michael, you can't blame the atmosphere for for some of the results this season or some of the performances, but it really did make a difference um, last night, didn't it? You know that Sunderland have notoriously been known as a team that never win a second ball in a challenge. Very rarely win the first one either, but you know Winchester, Neil, everyone was winning the first ball. If they didn't win the first one, they were winning the second. And the atmosphere and, and the confidence wasn't just in the fans, wasn't just in the players, it was everywhere. Exactly. And I, I, I've put this on Twitter myself and it's actually it's got quite a lot more likes than I thought it was going to actually. But um, it, it, but the atmosphere yesterday, I mean, I'm always one that I'm quite tired of this, that we always like to have a dig at the atmosphere. But this so far this season in patches, the atmosphere has been quite quiet, especially when we have been winning games. But yesterday, I think was and a lot of it was down to the lovely infamous referee, which I'm sure we'll get onto later. But for me. The atmosphere was electric yesterday, and I think I think a lot of people understood, and the players understood the magnitude of the game and the magnitude of that there was a chance to close the gap with Wigan dropping points yesterday, Wickham dropping points as well. Um, but I mean, and the fact the re- and I said it in my own video, the referee, the fact of how garbage he was, um, I think united the the fans to to be the twelfth man yesterday. Because yeah. it felt like, the, I mean, again, I'll try not to go on the referee too much to not try and steal talk. Oh, feel feel yeah. free to go in as much on the referee as you want, because I certainly will be. Well, okay. Well, I was more, I was, I was more trying to save it for a segment later on. Um, but okay. Well, well, regardless, without swearing too much, he was garbage. He, he was one of the worst refs I've ever seen, and that says a lot considering the officials we've had in League One. But the point is, it felt like my. But the point of that is, he felt like he was Plymouth's twelfth man, and that's not Plymouth's fault, by the way. The referee was just very incompetent. But yeah. um, at the end of the day. I've, I, I, there was a point during the game where I was like, right, screw him. If he's going to be their 12th man, we might as well be our 12th man. How many of us and how many of him is there? You know, we had 25,000 odd, sorry, 25, 27,000 screaming us on. And the atmosphere, as you said, that was one of the best atmospheres I've seen at the Stadium of Light. And considering, considering how much we have been winning games, the atmosphere, like we said before, has been flat. But yesterday, I thought it was electric. We got behind the players. Even when we conceded, I didn't think there was... There was obviously nerve, but I didn't think there was many people getting on the players' backs from what I can remember. Yeah. And obviously, it's quite easy. We will talk about the referee now, because why not? You know, it was a good game, good performance, okay, good great. win. That's so great. we'll... Uh, You're very welcome. We'll um, kind of get the negative out of the way and then go on to the positives like we usually do after a win. But Dylan, he, he was shit. Wasn't he really the officiate? Not just the referee, the linesman, the the fourth official. You know, there was one point in the game I even put on Twitter. I think he missed probably six to eight blatant fouls in the space of a couple of minutes, um, and that led to Johnson being booked, which didn't make any sense whatsoever because the the complaints that he had were completely normal, completely acceptable because the referee just seemed to have no control on the game at all. 
Oh yeah, no, I, honestly, I, I was convinced he'd left his whistle in his cards at home until at the end of the first half when he eventually yeah. decided to use it. it was... That's the thing as well, though, wasn't it? It was just that's another complaint people have about the referees, just inconsistent when the referee game. You know, he was he was quite happy in the first half or at certain parts of the game where he'd blow up for fouls and then he'd stop and then he'd start again. But some of the ones he missed were so blatant. I'll always go back to that one on Dan Neal, just outside the box. How he's not given that as a free kick, I have not a clue in the world. No, I know it's like it was absolutely atrocious. Like I, I, could, I know most weeks because it's because we're in League One, all the officials, all the officials are shocking. And most weeks we say all oh, this or that, but I can genuinely say the Tins have dropped into the third tier. That is the worst referee performance I've yeah. seen. Like I, I, had, I had a check just to say, just to say if it was like notorious for, for not dishing fouls out. But I, I looked at his uh, his record. He averages about twenty fouls a game, and I can remember him giving away about six over Plymouth. I, 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 I don't know if you... Well, there was, there was an interesting thing that Connor Bromley put on Twitter. At one point in the game, he went 23 minutes without blowing for a foul, apparently. That's the quarter of the game, pretty much. Yeah. 23 minutes without blowing for a foul. And considering how many fouls there actually were in that game, that is very questionable. And there is... Probably again, you know, after a win, you're probably not as bothered as much, so you kind of brush past it a little bit. But in that game, we probably had some genuine penalty claims as well, Michael. Agreed. Um, there's so many, obviously, it's easy to make anything look like a penalty and just appeal for it. But regardless, we we had, um, I've just literally looked at the chance back on uh, the hack on Dan Neal outside the box that should have been a free kick, and then penalties. Yeah, we had a few genuine ones which. The referee seemed to ignore. I mean, to be honest, I was amazed that he didn't give Plymouth a penalty every time they ventured into the box and one of their players yeah. might have fallen over. Um, it was it, it was absolutely atrocious. And I just don't understand this. As you mentioned earlier, the lack of consistency where sometimes in certain games, referees will deem something to be a foul, a penalty or a free kick, whatever. And then other times, the exact same challenge will go unpunished. It, it, it's not just that as well, though. It's like, again, going back to that Daniel foul, different referee books him and gives the free kick. The fact that he hasn't even given a foul is just... Amazing for that one. Yeah, but there was there were so many times when, and, and there was a point in the second half where Plymouth were resorting to try and using dirty tactics to try and inj- not maybe not injure, but certainly try to disrupt the momentum of the game and try and stop our players and from doing what they were doing. And he wasn't giving anything. And it was a lot of times it was genuinely horrendous tackles, or it was at very best it was very physical with missing the ball. It was. Uh, I'm just. I'm running out of words to say this because, I, as you guys know, I don't particularly like to talk about the referees. But, but at the same time, you've got they. They are worthy of criticism as much as any player is. I never get the idea that when you know every time we do rubbish, someone always goes, "Oh, you can't blame referees." Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you absolutely can. They're there to be criticised as much as anybody else. And, I, think, I think it says a lot though as well. If you're winning a game and you're still complaining, that that tells well, you exactly, how bad yeah. they really are. And, and make no mistake, Plymouth will have found out probably in a lot of their own games this season how rubbish the officials are. You know, that it just it's incredible. The fact we're still talking about this because it seems less salty, doesn't it? Because we're winning. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a number of decisions that we've got over the years that have been contentious because of how bad the officials have been. As yeah. I said, it was the, the goal against Bradford. Sorry, the broad goal Bradford scored in the first season at the Stadium of Light, which was clearly over the line, let's be honest. Yeah. And then, the, and then the, the following season when we beat Bristol Rovers 3-0, there was a clash of heads in the build-up to our second goal. And wasn't given as a wasn't the play wasn't stopped, which could have been really horrendous for the player who was down injured. Yeah. There's there's load of atrocious decision making going on, and the FA. I think we've said this before that the officials in this league are part time officials. They yeah. need to be that we need they either need to be supported or they need to get some competent officials in. Heck, I'm just looking at a match blog as I, as I speak, and if you look at it, there was a chat right at the very end, last kick of the game, pretty much. 
there was a chance where Plymouth pretty much should have had a corner and it was given as a goal kick. Now, I was mm. happy about it, but if I was Plymouth, I'd be raging about that. So yeah. I, I bet you we are far from the only club or only set of fans to talk about the officials. And the sooner this gets sorted out, the better, because eventually to, these, these officials are really going to cost clubs unfairly in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, I speak to an Ipswich fan fairly frequently and we always have a discussion about the referees and they seem to get similar standards to us um, in terms of decisions going against them. But anyway, away from officials, which I'm sure that'll pop up again in the future, probably um, on Sunday when we play well, Ipswich, well, coincidentally. It's going to pop up, but I bet, I bet it'll pop up at least half a dozen times between now and the end of the season. I'd probably say at least a couple of times between now and Sunday, to be honest. Yeah, maybe, to be fair. <laughs> but... um. Wouldn't be surprised if it comes back up again today, but hopefully not. We'll try and move away from that. But first goal from a corner, Dylan. Um, Johnson said after the game, it is something that they've worked on in the training ground. McAllister is behind the, the kind of idea. Um, admittedly, I think Daniel came on and said he wasn't actually meant to receive the ball, but he did. He scored it. it it's good to see something different from a corners because we've never looked like a threat from set pieces, have we? No, we haven't, especially when especially when we don't like swing it at the boxes, then we just play it play it along the floor. Like, I'll be totally honest. When he when he put it to uh, to Doyle at the front post, I was I, my thought was, what the hell's he done that for? Yeah. And then he just did a little flick on and we scored and I was like, Oh my god, I hadn't even finished my sentence completely. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that shut us up, so I thought fair play. But I suppose if we're gonna uh, if we're gonna sort of pre like work on things like that to, to try and execute during the match if it's gonna work, that's great because most of the time Especially racing years, with result either moving it in and it getting cleared because half the players in the league are big and bulky and a lot of ours really are until, until maybe this season with the likes of Doyle or playing it short and then losing the ball. So if, it's, if we're going to start working on it, it's, it's something we're intended on uh, improving on as the season goes on. Then right, it's maybe getting a few more goals from set pieces, which is something we need to do. Yeah, and it is somewhat of a surprise, Michael, that it took us this long under Johnson's kind of tenure to actually work on something like that because. We've had the players that are capable of doing, you know, different mm. things from a free kick or a corner or even a throw-in. You know, some teams work on that and it can be effective. And it was effective. You know, Dan Neal got himself another goal in the right place at the right time. We had plenty of people in the box. Um, and, you know, the ability to, you know, do set pieces like that, it's clear. It is. Um, we have, well, like you said, we've got people like Alex Pritchard, for instance, who is, who's starting to take good set pieces, even if he's not in the team, Elliot Embleton. It, it is amazing that we don't, I think we, I can't remember many times this season we've scored from set pieces, whether it be through directly from across or through a routine like that. Um, so it's one of those things that we do, well, I do, we probably do need to start seeing more of. Because, um, I mean, if you look at a lot of teams in this division, one way or another, a lot of the times that they threaten is through set pieces. Um Granted, a lot of them is literally lump the ball into the box and, ha- and have a six foot seven striker head in the back of the net. But the point is, you can still you can still be effective from set pieces. Um, and the amount of time, and you guys know this as well, the amount of times that we've seen teams come up the stadium light and play for fouls, play for set pieces to try and be dangerous. Yeah. So if we can, and we have got the quality to be effective from those situations. So it's all about just trying to maintain that. I mean, obviously the routine yesterday was great. Um, it'd be amazing to see how many times we can get away with doing that across the season. But, you know, even if that was the only time we do it, I'm, I still love that goal all the same. Yeah. Um, well, it was an early goal and it wasn't too long till we made it 2-0. Um, Dayaku involved in the build-up, got himself the assist as well. Um, again, we'll talk about him a little bit later on. He's beat his man, got a ball in the box with Broadhead, and I was at the other side of the stadium, so I didn't actually realise what Broadhead had done. 
but it was like a back heel, wasn't it? Um, good finish, and, and like we've said on a few times on here between us and Michael and John and, and whoever else has been on Dylan, Broadhead looks a very, very good player. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it was one thing uh, the, the lads I was sitting with pointed out is what for, we haven't had, for at least a, a decent amount of time, we haven't had a player who make, who just makes a sort of movement that he does, like he's always just making runs. And whether he receives the ball or not, he's an option. He's always wanting to get himself in, in, in a good position. That is really refreshing to see. And I mean, obviously that, that finish yesterday was absolutely unbelievable. And I think it took him maybe when he first when he first uh, came, it took him a while to get started. But now that he's now he's uh, playing regularly and he's, he's scoring goals, he's getting involved in link-up play. I think we've got a very good asset on our hands and I'm just hoping that there's a way we're able to turn this loan into a permanent deal at some point. Yeah, and he, he's not just a striker, Michael. You know, he, I think he's played up front quite a lot recently this season. Um, and obviously, you know, he's had the goal return to kind of back that up in the last few weeks, especially. But, you know, he can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can play up front, he can play centre. But it's not just in the final third where he offers something. There was a few times he picked the ball up in his own half and was so direct with the ball, just legged it up the pitch. I think there was one point where, you know, he kind of hurdled one of the challenges and then bent uh, a shot towards the top corner. It was saved, but there's not many players we've had in the past few years that were capable of things like that. You know, you look at Dayaku, who I think could become the player that will do that more often. Gooch, possibly in you know the earlier stages of our League One rotten tenure. Um, <laughs> but other than that, we haven't really had any players that would do that and get us up the pitch that quickly with you know that much attack and threat, really. Well, it's athleticism and pace, isn't it? And that's a lot of things that people go on about. Um, Broadhead, as I think I've said this in the last couple of uh, the previous podcast or whichever one it was, that he's just a classy footballer. For this level, he is a really classy footballer. But as you've said, I've said before, he finds pockets of space in outside the box, in the final third, wherever it is. But he also gets, but like you said, he, there was at least a couple of times yesterday where he got us up the pitch really, really well. And that in itself, as much as simple as it sounds, relieves pressure and relieves danger. And then it turns the tables back on Plymouth to make them shit themselves and make them have to defend, make them yeah. worry about what we're going to do rather than us having to worry about the opposition. And as you said yourself, he's getting the goal returns. And we obviously got two in midweek, got one yesterday, got one against Cambridge. And the goals that he scored as well are good finishes as well. It's not yeah. like they're just tap-ins from one yard. They, they are literally good finishes or he's heavily involved in good build-ups to, go, to other players scoring goals. So I touched on this in midweek and I'll still reiterate it. When, when, if there's an opportunity to get him permanently, whether in January or in the summer, and hopefully if we, if we don't get him in January permanently, if he stays till the end of the season, hope, then hopefully in the summer we're having the conversation of let's get him permanently because that likely means we've gone up. Yeah. Um, well, despite going 2-0 up and probably having the chances to go maybe 4-5-0 or five nil up, um, Dayaku had a couple of chances um, that were saved. We've had one from Broadhead mentioned as well. Plymouth did equalise in the second half, Dylan, and... Do you mean got one back? Well, yeah, that's, you know, it's been a long day. Long day at work. (laughs) Plymouth did get one back. Um, Thankfully, didn't equalise at all in the game. But it is the one negative from the the performance, I think. You know, it was a simple set piece. Wasn't dealt with. Keeper didn't really cover him with glory in that one. And I think it was a free header at the end in the back post. Uh, it was, but uh, to, to be fair to Hoffman, the way the the way the Plymouth conducted themselves for that set piece, he was he was crowded like there was nowhere there was nowhere for him to move. It, it, is that is that because of 
what people have seen from them though you know Plymouth will have done the research on Sunderland there's been a few times we've mentioned that from crosses Hoffman for as much as he's good at you know his distribution is decent he's a very good shot stopper probably one of the best we've had in the league he's not particularly demanding and when you know when he's coming for a cross he doesn't always get there or sometimes flaps at it is that the reason they've done that though well, possibly, but obviously uh, we're, we're a League One team. Obviously, it is, uh, we could sign them from uh, from Bar from Bayern, but uh, there's every, any any keeper who's going to come in at League One level is, is going to have his weaknesses. That obviously appears to be Hoffman's, but he's I'm sure I'm sure uh, that the, both him and uh, the, the staff are doing training and working hard to help them improve with that. But I mean, obviously, with this might be a different conversation about if they ended up getting an equaliser, but thankfully. It was just it was just a consolation. So as long as it doesn't uh, start impacting results, then hopefully it gets sorted before that becomes an issue. Yeah, and obviously, but I think it was before that equalised. Michael Gucci went off with an injury, and and we changed formation, changed the way we were playing. I think we switched from a back five to a back four. Mm. It had a real impact on the way we played in the second half. You know, we were getting deeper and deeper. You know, I think it, for large parts in the first half we were kind of. 30 yards out was our starting defence line. We got deeper and deeper gradually in the second half and Plymouth had two, three, maybe four very good chances to actually, you know, get a goal, get a second goal in the first 10 minutes of that second half. Yeah, and I think I think a part of that is that the fact that I think we lost Winchester in midfield. I think yeah. Winchester going to right back, as much as I think he's done well at right back for the most part, obviously he's had his couple of shotgun games, but, you know, I think in general he's the... I think I said this about Luke 9 before, but I think I'm starting to reevaluate and say that I think Winchester's actually better than 9 is in midfield. Obviously, we're not going to see 9 for at least a few months. But my point is that when Winchester went to right back and Embleton went into midfield, I think it was with Dan Neal, I think straight away we lost that tenacity and we lost that ability to just control and quietly dictate the midfield, which meant we got overrun and then Plymouth was starting to find their opportunities at the start of the second half. And I think as well, the manager probably gave them a rollicking at half-time. They probably said that... Yeah. Schumacher probably said to them, look, that performance was nowhere near good enough and not acceptable. But um, I think once we did ride out that storm and earlier on in the second half, I think we did start to control things again. But I just think a large part of the fact why we lost control for that opening period of the second half is that the fact Winchester wasn't there to sort of pick up the pieces in midfield and just get things going in our way again. And I think that's a, that's something hopefully in January that we can address. Yeah. Well, it did finish 2-1, of course, Dylan, which is a big three points. Um, takes us up to third, two points from top, um, level games with Rotherham, I think, and one game played more than Wigan, who I think are level with us, I think. Yeah, they are. Um, and obviously Wickham, and then Wickham are below us, um, level with points, but we've got one game extra to play than them. As an outsider, if you were to look at Twitter at times or wherever you're looking, you would not think that Sunderland were in this position based on some of the reactions and, and some of the words that get spoken, but we are still in a very good position. We've got a starting eleven out injured. You know, you've got Burge out injured. You've got a full back line injured. Unai and Evans in midfield. Our injury XI would probably finish in the playoffs um, in this league. So the fact that we're two points from top halfway through the season with that many injuries, we've got a January window to come up. There's not really much to complain about, is there? Yeah, no, no I'm, I'm not. I'm going to be honest. Uh, obviously, before before the five nil, and then watching the performance there, I was starting to worry that maybe we we're going to be bound to to a playoff spot because I haven't I haven't been able to watch some of the games. Obviously, I've, I've been working, been at uni, but uh, the ones that I have been able to watch, I went to Portsmouth, watch just get smashed. Yeah. 
they will just get smashed. And I was, when I was starting to think maybe we were slowing down a bit, but hopefully it was just a blip. And uh, as you said, when once we get people start coming back from injury and whether they start having the squad death, being able to come off the bench, those will keep uh, keep this good run going. And because uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to beat every team in this division. I mean, you see Wigan who are smashing on pretty much every team to play, and we beat them twice like already this season, haven't we? Unless yeah. I've made that. Yeah, we have once in the league, won the cup. Exactly. So I mean, it's uh, it's, it's promising signs, especially obviously going into January in a, in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we can add accordingly and uh, strengthen the side. We'll go down as a very memorable game that Wigan Cup game after we've won the Carabao Cup this season. Hopefully. Oh, exactly. Um, but you know, when you look at some of the players that we have got coming back, um, granted not for a particularly long time with some of them, Michael, you've got Huggins who's out on March, I think it is, but you've got Serkin coming back, I think in January. Um, Shamali, who most people have probably forgotten about, to be honest, because I don't think he's made a league appearance for Sunderland yet, has he? No, he hasn't. I think the we've got so played. many players coming back, and you've got Denver Hume as well. You know, we're, we're playing without a single fullback. Well, exactly, and that, that's why for me, look, those who I think I think we obviously did this on the, the I think I said this on the Rook Report Twitter space. Um, and by the way, well done to them for raising the amount of money they have done for the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. By the way, before I forget yeah. to. But um, I think I said on there that I think I think Lee Johnson in a lot of ways has done really well because and this kind of goes back to the recruitment in the summer when we've got a whole it says a lot when we've got basically an injured 11 and yet we're still competing at the minute for top two in League One. And I know that a lot of people are disappointed with the bad run. And look, I mean, I, I wasn't as despondent after the Oxford draw because I think I think we have to accept Oxford are a decent side. We aren't going to win every home game as disappointing as that was. But we followed that up with two wins and we're still competitive. We're still playing the way we want to play at the moment. So I yeah. think I think I've said it before. December for me is just get through what we've get through with what we have, get through with the players we have missing. And then even with the players that you know has just mentioned there, Huggins out till March, but you've got, you know, Jamali could come back, uh Serkin could come back, um, you know, McGeady and 09 obviously are a bit longer than that. We we are missing some players who have been starting games for us and quite regularly starting games for us this season. Yeah. If that's any other team, you're going to feel the effects of it. As I mentioned, you look at Wigan. A couple of Wigan fans have said to me that they are really concerned that if they get a couple of injuries, then all of a sudden the outlook of their season could change. It says a lot for me about the recruitment in the summer. And hopefully this continues where we have had, we've got pretty much, again, starting 11 out injured and we're still competitive. And we're more than competitive. We're taking the game to teams and we've done well recently. Yeah. Well, we'll go into the part that everyone either hates or loves when they do it. Um, it's normally quite a love after a win. But player ratings, Dylan, start with you. Hoffman, I went with a seven. Um, like I say, that you could possibly, it would be harsh, but you could possibly question them a little bit for their goal. Um, but it's not necessarily a mistake. Made some important saves in the second half. And I think in the first half especially, he was a lot quicker off his line than he usually has been. Um, but yeah, seven. Yeah, no, definitely, I I agree with that. I thought when he, uh, other than the goal, obviously, as I said, he, he was he was sort of not obstructed, but there was a lot of crowd in the box. Yeah. I don't want to give him too much stick for that, but he did. He, his distribution was good, and as you said, he made a few important saves. I do I do have to say though, that I forgot who it was, but there was a chance towards the end, and it was we were just lucky that their player couldn't finish his tee because it was like a really good chance. I don't yeah. think Hoffman, I don't think Hoffman would have been able had it covered. He just skied it, thankfully. But uh, other than that, yeah, no, that was it. I'd say six or a seven, but maybe yeah. six, maybe six point five. But yeah, I was I was impressed. Yeah, uh, Michael. 
I'd probably go with the six personally, just because I've seen, having just seen the goal back um, as we're recording. Funny enough, I did think he maybe could have tried to claim it. I mean, maybe I'm being harsh there because the, there is literally probably about a dozen players in front of him for mm. that. Goal. But I just think it was a couple of times he could have tried to collect the ball and could have commanded his line a little bit more. But otherwise, I did think he had an all right game. I still like Hoffman, but you know he is a young player, so he. W- I'm hoping he will improve. Yeah. I'll go straight back to you, Michael, for Gooch. Um, I'd probably go a six. Obviously, he went off at half time, so that kind of plays a role in it. Don't think he was as effective um, today against, I say today, um, yesterday against Plymouth as he was against Morecambe. You know, his, his final pass wasn't as good as it was then, um, but didn't really do anything wrong. Wasn't the frustrating figure that he has been so many times this season. Just kind of. Standard performance, really. Six for me. Well, it's, it's a standard Lyndon Gooch thing, isn't it? It's Lyndon Gooch special. Um, I think, obviously, first half, I think a couple of times he did skin their fullback once or twice. But again, he wasn't as effective. But I didn't expect him to be because Gooch, unfortunately, doesn't have that consistency within his locker. But I would go with a six as well. I think he didn't do anything wrong. I think, but the, the fact that going off at half time, it did impact it a little bit. And because that, that, that then meant that Winchester had to go to right back. Yeah. Uh, Dylan? Yeah, no, I I agree with that. He was he was I'd say solid yet unspectacular. But uh, but that's just that's just good. Sometimes sometimes he has. Thankfully, he wasn't having one of his off days where he just loses his head, especially with it being quite a scrappy game. I think it's probably yeah. good he went away. He went off before it started, kicking off big stuff because yeah. he, he saw a player who just go through some other two feet and get himself sent off in that sort of uh, in that sort of atmosphere. But he he did, he did his job decently. But other than that, he didn't amaze us too much. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of these ratings. I'm feeling they are quite high, but I'm going to stick with them just to see kind of what you say. Am I going to stick with them? I don't know. I'll say as we go on. Might make them up as I go on. <laughs> um, Bailey Wright, Dylan. Um, uh, very good again yesterday. You know, I've never seen Bailey Wright so comfortable on the ball as he was at times yesterday um, and against Morecambe. I didn't realise he actually had that kind of in his locker, but he did. Um, defended well. A couple of times he was possibly caught, like kind of ball watching a little bit, um, but recovered well, got the tackling, got the blocking, and, and got the ball away from danger. I don't know what rating to go with, to be honest. Um, I'll say an eight. Uh, yeah, I had him, I had him down for a seven. So, I, but uh, as you said, obviously he, he, he had quite a good game. It's uh, it's it's nice to see this because I was worrying. Uh, especially like especially towards like sort of back in the last season when he wasn't when he wasn't performing as, as well as we know he can that he was going to be simply good for playing in the back five and other than that be useless in the back two but he he, uh, he, he did impress us a lot yesterday and it's nice to see that he's uh, he's getting looking he's looking more confident on the ball as he has than he has at some points and I think it's something he must have been working on obviously obviously Johnson trusts him because he, he had he had his last at Bristol City so hopefully he just keeps playing playing this way we know we've got a, a Solid defender who would rely on. Yeah, Michael. Seven. I think he was very, very. Un- I think he was un- obviously unspectacular going forward, but we didn't expect. But you know, obviously, I'm not expecting him to be like that. But for the most part, defensively, I thought he held the bat line together quite well. So it, it's unspectacular, but um, yeah, good standard seven. Yeah. Um, and again, back to you, Michael Flanagan. Um, probably to go with a seven. Yeah, pretty much a lot of the same stuff I said about Bailey Wright. Um, to be fair, obviously a couple of times brought the ball out with defence really well. A couple of times just won some loose balls at, um, in our own defensive half really well, just to relieve a bit of pressure. But yeah, seven. Just, again, steady, not spectacular. 
Yeah, Dylan. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think he's a uh, he's, he's he's very much improved this season. He's looking a lot less shaky. I mean, if I'd sit last, last season, season before, if I'd seen his name when I saw his name at the start of eleven, I started panicking. But he's been very reliable. He just he does his job very well. And as I say, I've, I've, I've seen I've seen a nickname thrown around from Titus Maldini, where he either plays like Titus Bramble or plays like Paolo Maldini. And I think recently, especially this season, he's definitely been more of a, a Maldini build. I would say. No, that's fair. I've, I've been donning in a flat of our own recently because uh, yep. <laughs> some of his performances. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So yeah, I'd give the seven as well. Yeah, um, and then back to you again, Dylan for Doyle again seven. Uh, yeah, well, uh, so obviously he defended very well, and uh, well, he's, this is the sort of performance that we used to see for him now. He's, look, he's especially for his age, so mature, so good on the ball. Likes to bring it out, play, uh, plays good passes to feed and can, can ping the long balls as well. However, I bumped him up to an eight, simply getting an extra point just for uh, the little shithousey with the linesman. I'm gonna, when, I'm just to have to say that would be yeah, yeah, it, that. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got bonus points for that, so the absolute top boy uh, all around. And, uh, love him, hope he, hope he can stay, stay fit and stay performing well for the rest of the season now. Hopefully so, Michael. Oh, I was going to say seven, but because of that shit house, we have to get like. I can't add to anything Dylan's just said. Just proper love shit housery. Yeah, um, Dayaku, Michael, probably his best game of the season. Best game, well, best game of the season. Best game of the season. Um, same thing, isn't it? Um, but look more of a threat. Kept things simple. One thing that. I know John said a few times he doesn't beat his man enough. I thought he did that a lot in the first half. Obviously, got himself the assist through doing that. Second half, kind of backed off a little bit. And there's a few times he kind of just stood with his ball, uh, his foot on the ball, I should say. That could have went nasty, that one. Um, and, and could have done a little bit more with it. But overall, you know, I think he was close to get a goal as well. I think one of his efforts went just wide. So I'd probably say a nine for Diaco. <sighs> Debating between an eight or a nine. I'm probably going to... I'm going to end up contradicting myself with the ratings later, probably, but I don't care. I'll probably go with an eight just because there was a couple of times where he didn't beat his man and there was one or two times I think he got a little bit too bullied for me. However, I do agree that yesterday, was, I do agree yesterday was his best performance. He basically continued where he left off against Morecambe and that that the, the way he skinned his fullback for the second goal was was beautiful. It was just delightful. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and as well, I think it's one that, again, and I think I said this the other day as well, that he's one that hopefully will start improving the more he gets accustomed to this division and mm. the quality that's associated with this division. If he gets more used to being in this league as well, then I think we hopefully, second half of the season, we'll see a really good Diaku, providing he stays fit. So yeah, but I agree with you. Yesterday was his best performance, um, certainly, that he's played so far this season. And fair play to him, because I've criticised him quite a lot, mm. justifiably. But recently, he sh- if he shut me up, perfect. I want that to happen. Yeah. And Dylan? Yeah, I had him down for an eight as well. I, I thought he was excellent. And uh, I know, I know, uh, Megan players doesn't get extra points on the board, but he did it about five times yesterday. And you just, you just love to say it. I think he had the fullback on toast for the majority of the game. He, he did, the first half he did, especially, I think it was number three for, for um, Plymouth that he had the beating of every time. And I found it strange that he then swapped sides in the second half and didn't really have much of an effect. I don't yeah. really know the thinking behind that. I think he just I think he just prefer, prefers to I know he's uh, he's quite versatile to play play his side, but I think he was clear on his preferred side in the first half where it weighs most comfortable. Maybe that's where he finds it uh, easiest uh, to ex- express himself. But uh, fair play. Well, obviously he's, as I've seen him I'd, I haven't seen many of his recent performances, obviously, as I said, I've not been able to watch too many of the matches, but I've seen him get quite a bit of stick on Twitter, which I thought 
oh, what's happened here? Because uh, when I was watching him after he signed early on in the, in the earlier games that he played, I thought he was uh, quite promising. So it's nice to see that he's uh, further than that and becoming quite an important player for us, clearly. Yeah. Um, back to you again, dealing with Dan Neal. And I don't think this is really an exaggeration, um, possibly a little bit, but I am starting to think he's probably the best English midfielder that's ever played football. Um might might be a little bit of an exaggeration there, but he's definitely up there with the best. Um, eight out of ten took his goal well, and somehow he's getting better and better with every single game that he plays. Yeah, I mean he's just I've got I've got him down as an eight, but just on on your on your comment there, I think it would be more fair to say that he's the best uh, midfielder football has ever seen. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I just love, I, I I saw him. He did it quite a few times yesterday. I love it when uh, he it's like long ball long ball comes in. And he just he brings it down as if someone's just like dropped dropped a balloon at him from from one foot away. It's like it's, like, it's absolutely nothing. He, he turns he turns well. He sprays the ball about. Don't believe it. He's definitely he's definitely our most important midfielder and has been for yeah. pretty much all season. I just, it's just look. It's great to see proper Sunderland lad absolutely tearing it up for the, for the first year. And he's he's definitely he's one of those ones who when hopefully we'll climb back up the divisions in in the coming years. He can he can take that journey with us. That's if he doesn't get poached by uh, the team in a higher division sooner. Yeah. That was, it wouldn't surprise us if we start getting offers in really January yeah. this morning, so hopefully we can keep a hold of him. But I think it, obviously, he's a he, very humble player as well. I, I don't know if you watched his interview after the game, but he was saying you know, he, he's been fortunate with the interviews and he hopes that he's still going to be part of the first team after the injuries come back. And I mean, if that's not the most humble comment any footballer has ever made, considering he's the best player on the pitch in most of the games he plays, I don't know what he is. Uh, he's, he's he, he absolutely loves eating tell. I think if, if it's a, if it's if it's his choice, he'll it, be it, here. Hopefully, we just don't have a. Thankfully, we don't have a Donald on the club still. We'll probably flog him for the nearest bit of money to try and save the club like he did with Manchester. But uh, Daniel, hopefully, should be here for a very long time because he loves it and we love him. So why 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 stop us? What what what, what would we, what would be a reasonable bid for him to leave? Two two three hundred million? No, no. Someone like whoever whoever wants him would have to literally like. Go to a different planet, find a way to like combust it down to a smaller size, then hand deliver it to Kimmel. Like that's what we need. We need an entire planet. Like no, no amount of money is an yeah. acceptable acceptable figure. Now it's just he's he's priced as well. Yeah. Um, Michael, don't listen to anyone who's listening. Don't listen to either of these. Daniel's a horrible midfielder. He's really horrendous. He's not worth yeah. anybody buying whatsoever. Just let him stay at Sunderland. We'll we'll bear the bearing of him. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's, a, he's a throw Australian. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just clueless. Stop picking him up, man. People will take him away. Um, agreed. For the most part, he got he, he does get better, and obviously that will happen even more across the season. For rating, I would give him an eight. I think he took his goal well. But one thing I would criticise, and it's a small thing, and it's something hopefully he will learn. One occasion in stoppage time, he was trying to take on two or three Plymouth players when you're two one up, and you're trying to see the game out. Yes, obviously you want to try and get a third, but at that point keep possession and he lost it and I, and I lost my shit with him I was, it's not again against him particularly I just hate stuff like that it's terrible game management now thankfully we got away with it because he's God so he's alright but um, very bold to be criticising the best footballer to ever live yeah of course hey he's the worst man stop persuading people <laughs> um, yeah to, just, to, just took his goal with seriously though took his goal well and just hopefully we. and like Dylan said hopefully he's part of the upward journey with us up through yeah. the hopefully so Hopefully he's not playing League One next season because I can't bear the thought of that again. But anyway, we'll battle through these last four pretty quickly because we are getting on for time. Winchester, Michael, eight. Solid. As, yeah, I agree. Solid as ever. I think in midfield, 
really tenacious, did a job at right back, but we certainly we missed him. For me, we missed him in midfield, which says how good he was in the first half. Yeah, and Dylan? Yeah, no, completely agree. I mean, he's just he's, every, every time he plays, does the exact same thing. He just runs runs about for ninety minutes, giving it his all. Goes for every goes for every second ball, wins it most of the time. Been very impressive this season, and it's quite clear to see why why Johnson signed him now. Yeah, um, Pritchard, Dylan went with an, again an eight. Um, struggled when he first came, and and as like I've said a few times now, there are multiple reasons for that. But he's very similar, to Daniel. He's getting better and better with each game, and. You can see why he was so highly rated in the championship with, you know, his ability just to hold onto the ball despite being however tall he is. I think he's probably even shorter than Johnson, which takes some doing. Um, but everything about him in the last few games has been unbelievable. So I'll say an eight. Oh yeah, no, completely agree. I had him down for an eight as well. Obviously, I think he's, he's similar, similar to Broad. It would take a bit of time to uh, to settle in and you know get get the playing the way that he knows he can but he's been brilliant especially yesterday he was, he was unbelievable it's quite clear to see why he was uh, rated so highly by the Tottenham fans when he was with them but he's he's a, bit, he's a championship footballer like, it's clear, clear it would be very box. fitting if he gets the 94th minute winner against Arsenal wouldn't it it would be absolutely unbelievable I'd, I'd expect like shirt shirt off you know backflips yeah. into, into home stands like oh unbelievable man. I'd love that hopefully that happens hopefully Michael yeah. Eight. This guy has just just keep this guy fit. He keeps getting better every week. Um, shows his quality really well. More times than not, when we try to attack, it came through him. So yeah, just make sure he doesn't get injured. Yeah. Um, Ross Stewart didn't get his goal, um, but as he always does, worked hard. And he he's getting somewhat of a reputation with referees, and I don't know why of of going down very easily. He never does. If he goes down, it's probably going to be a foul unless they've won the ball. Uh, and like we've said earlier, I said we're not going to mention the referee again, but it definitely are. Um, there was a few times now, I think there was one penalty shot on him as well that he's went down, probably should have been a foul. And it just seems to be getting waved away most games nowadays, which is very strange. But anyway, seven for me, Michael. I'd say seven for seven for how he played in the game, eight, uh, about 100 for not losing his head at the referees. Yeah, that does take some doing. Although, to be fair, you know, a little... Tackle at his discretion wouldn't have done his rating any bad for me, but <laughs> no, it did not happen. Not this time, anyway. Dylan? Yeah, I know. Like, uh, I, I would say seven as well. I don't understand where this sort of myth with the referees come from that he goes down easy. Like, if he was like realistically to get him on the on the floor, you need to slide tackle him with a Boeing seven four seven. So I don't get where the only time I've ever seen him go down when it wasn't an actual foul was that was that dive against MK Dogs like, earlier in the season, which I was a bit baffled by. But mm. other than that, just he, he's he's getting fouled and the referees just want 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 paying out about it. But I mean, it's as long as they're still winning games and they still they still do the business. Let's just let's not let it be in a position where referees can impact the results of games. If we just say that, like, yeah. don't even don't even bother about what they're doing, what they're saying, because if we then go and sink three goals at the back of the net, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. Well, last player, Dylan. Um, I said Daniel is the best footballer on the planet. Um, if there's any other supporters listening, he's not. But for some fans, he is. I think it's fair to say the second best footballer on the planet is probably this guy, Nathan Broadhead, got himself another goal. Nearly had a second one as well. Just he's looking like a player that can do it all as well. Um so again, nine. Yeah, I've I've put him down for a nine as well. He's really he's really coming into form now. He's sure showed us what he can do. And I mean like it's, it's just it was just the, the sheer 
the audacity to just back, back heel it in the far corner as if, as if it was nothing. Like, he, did, he didn't even he didn't even have to stretch out for it, man. It was, it was great. And as, as we were saying, his movement and the way he just get the ball and drives, it's something, it's something we've been lacking for, for quite a while. And it's clear to see why he's, uh, why he's been so highly rated, why he was on the bench a few times at Everton at the start of the season. Yeah. And I just, I'm just hoping and praying that we can... Uh, I can get him on a permanent because if, if he's not if he's not playing for Liverpool for the next season in the championship, hopefully, uh, I think I'll cry. So that's all could I'll say. Euro- about him. Could be European football as well next season. I exactly. Well, when we inevitably <laughs> win the league, Cup, I've, I've been we can't we can't be getting beat by Arsenal because I live with two Arsenal fans. And I've been giving it the big and saying that. <laughs> and quite frankly, I'm never going to hear the end of it if we get beat. So we're winning the cup. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, hopefully so. Michael, last but not least, nine as well. This guy is just the League One Sergio Aguero. Literally, he's just the, the quality he's got. The Macam Aguero. Got, the, 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 yeah, the, the, um, the, the goal itself that he scored, I was really impressed with. They managed to nip away from his man at the back post and just and, and had a really cheeky finish as well. Just like I said many times, get this guy on a permanent, please. Just whatever it takes, Sunderland, do it. Yeah. Um, man of the match, Dylan. Oh, it's... Right. It, it was... It's, it's between Dan Bale and Nathan Broadhead, obviously, but seeing as though Broadhead scored the second, and that was inevitably the winner, I'm going to say give it to Broadhead because he was he was just unbelievable. But but Dan Bale did a very very close second. Michael, Nathan Broadhead any day for me. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Um, next game is Saturday. I thought we had a game on Tuesday, but it turns out we don't, um, which is quite sad to be honest because I like a. Uh, a good Tuesday game, but wait, Whipswich on Saturday, not going to be an easy game despite them being pretty poor so far this season. Obviously, got rid of the manager in in Paul Cook. I was going to say Steve Cook there. Who is Steve Cook? It's a Bournemouth defender, isn't it? Yeah, he's a Bournemouth centre. Yeah. Apparently, he's been. Don't why he came in my head. Um, but it was Paul Cook that left, not Steve Cook. Um, and I think they got a draw with yes, Wigan. I think with it Wigan. was. They drew away at Wigan. So take from that what you will but it's going to be a tough game regardless what happens in the fixtures building up to it um, it always is especially when Sunderland are away from home this season and um, they always seem to be more difficult than they should be hopefully a win but whether you predict a win is now up to you Michael do you want me to go with my head or my heart both Half head half. says head says one all I think because we beat Plymouth I think we can afford to at least not lose this game but obviously and my heart obviously would say 2-1. So it depends. If we turn up, then we've got every chance of beating them. But for me, I think Ipswich at Portman Road, I think it is going to be a tough game, as you said, despite their recent form. I think at home, they've actually been much improved recently. So, yeah, I'd probably say one all. But if you win, then it's a massive victory all the same. Yeah. Dylan, last but not least. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold. I'm going to say that we're going to beat them. I we're going to beat them 3-1. I'm just, I'm obviously, the 12th in the league, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, recent, the recent results. Obviously, the, the big crew 2-1. One, which is a fair enough, but they've been they lost two up Charlton, lost to Rotherham, who are obviously doing really well this season. But I mean, it shows that they're not, they're not there. It's, it's there. it's there for the taking. Like, there's no reason why we should be losing to a team 12 in the league. And hopefully, obviously, when they're when they're up on the day, we just we keep the same sort of tenacity and, uh, and desire that we've been having the past 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 few games. And I mean, if we rock up with the with the heads in the right space, then I think we I think we'll easily beat them. Yeah. Well, hopefully so. But that is the time today. Appreciate you both on once again. Thanks for having me on. It's been an Thanks. absolute pleasure to talk about another Sunderland win and another shit refereeing performance. And long may uh-huh. this continue apart from the shit referees. Absolutely. Hopefully we never talk about that again. But inevitably, 
we we're will. going to. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. What are the odds are that we do that? We let's see. Here's a challenge. Let's try and not talk about the referees on the podcast between now and the end of 2021, and we'll still probably fail that because they're so shocking. Could change the drinking game up from from the confidence word to the referee. Yeah, word. I, uh, I'm, I'm not refer- I'm not recommending that drinking game again. No. I mean, as long as we're still winning games, if if the referees want to want to be a bit be a bit naff, it gives us gives us something to talk about. Add some longevity to the podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's really As long as we're winning games for us, that can track on. For now, for now, we'll let them off nah. now. Nah. But anyway, Sunday we'll be back to talk about the Ipswich game, which is hopefully another win, um, or at least not a defeat. I think is what most people would want. Um, but until then. I mean, we'll see that. That's all, folks. Yeah.